Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Hello everybody and welcome along to a special programme on the Radio Show Limited network of audio and visual channels. My name's John Heintorf and we've got to the end of the 2020 World Superbike and World Supersport seasons. 2020, it should need no explaining, has been uh, a season for pretty much every championship, whether it's on two or four wheels, that has been unlike any other world events. Travel bans, changes in the calendar have all influenced the championships and in some cases, indeed, have influenced drivers or riders' ability to take part in full championships. In this review programme, we look at World Supersport and World Superbike and you'll be delighted to know that it's not me who'll be chattering on about this. I am just here to mediate and moderate and possibly be a bit of a traffic cop because we have with us Declan Brennan. Hello, Dex. Hello. Hello, everybody. Uh, And Nick Damon. Uh, Good evening, John. Good evening, everybody. And Declan especially. Hello, Nick. So we'll put these two together. I throw in basically one question and come back in two hours after these two have argued uh, out about it. Actually, that's not exactly how it's going to work. Um, an extraordinary season, as I say, for a number of uh, of obvious uh, obvious points, Dex. Um, however, not actually a bad season at all in any of the World Superbike, uh, World Supersport or World Supersport uh, 300 uh, as well. Um, we, we're going to give a quick mention to World Supersport 300 only to say uh, that uh, it was uh, won by about 50 points uh, by over the two, two Kawasaki drivers by Jeffy Buis, who is uh, a Dutchman, who is ahead of Scott Tarui, who is also a Dutchman with uh, Batan Sofoglu. Sof- I knew I'd get this wrong. Sofoglu. Sofoglu. It's, it's, it's very easy. Sofoglu. Uh, on the Yamaha, yeah. Second generation already, and it only f- feels like he stopped riding two minutes ago, to be well, honest. That's, yeah, that's what I... That's I can't decide if he had him young or if I'm old or or the gap between Keenan Safogli's retirement and now is longer than I remember and that's my fault. It's just, it's things like that annoy me because they just que- make me question everything about my age and my memory. But the, it was a brilliant season in, in Supersport 300 and Jeffrey Buiz did something extraordinary. Uh, he dominated Aragon uh, and won by uh, about five seconds in a category where normally 400 riders are covered yeah. uh, by uh, by a quarter of a second. So it, it's it's probably the most competitive uh, format uh, of any two-wheeled sport uh, in the world. And in fact, the race that, to be honest, that I'd never get to see that I'd love to is the last chance race to qualify mm. for the Supersport 300 main race, which uh, is, is as competitive as you could possibly imagine. So great series, yeah. And this kid... Jeffrey Buys, 18 years old. I think we're going to see a lot more of him. And what, 
we're obviously we're slightly going to stray into as you almost inevitably doing in reviews um into preview programs has he got a ride for next year has he been talent spotted he's he's kawasaki behind him uh, I have to double check that. I'm, I believe yes, but I'll have to double check because for an 18-year-old, that's a big old jump onto a onto a super sport bike. It doesn't always uh, mean you're gonna you're gonna be successful in the next category up. And in, in fact, it's probably it's one of these things where uh, if Kawasaki are keeping him uh, within that family, they're probably gonna have to give him a couple of years to to mature and because. The Super Sport 600 class, uh, if you take Andrea Locatelli out, as we'll come to in a minute, was actually pretty uh, pretty competitive outside the man who dominated it uh, <laughs> in 2020. But yeah, so I'll have to come back to him. I'm not quite sure, and I, I'm afraid I don't I don't know the answer to that. I'm I'm assuming yes, he is staying within the uh, the Dorna World Superbike uh, uh, paddock. Yeah, in that universe, in World Super Sport, uh, a little more cut and dried. Uh, Almost 100 points between Yamaha's Andrea Locatelli, uh, Lucas Mess for Kawasaki, Philip Ertel for Kawasaki, and Jules Cluzel for Kawasaki, the, the, uh, for Yamaha, excuse me. Um, those two uh, well back down. It, it was really between the first two names I mentioned there, but Locatelli, class of the field for the majority of the year, and will that pay him dividends going on? Oh, it already has. He's, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, he already has taken the seat of Michael Vandermark in the full Yamaha team. And this is a pretty extraordinary uh, uh, stage of his career. And uh, this is, I'd look for Nick in on this because this, what's really interesting is that he was uh, one of the the young up and comers in, in, in the mid, uh, like 2016, for example, he, he finished in the top ten in in Moto three in a in a field included Mir and Bagnaia and Binder and Navarro and Fabio Di Giantonio. Uh, he moved up to to, to uh, Moto two in twenty eighteen again, pretty solid, not fantastic, but uh, you know he beat guys in the championship like Sam Lowe's and Remy Gardner and and Domi Aigler. and he wouldn't have been an absolutely the cream of the of the crop in either of those categories, but he was very very good. But then he moves into Supersport 600 on, granted, on the Avon Brothers uh, Bardal Yamaha, which was the same bike that Randy Krummenacker won the previous season. But it, he took the championship by the scruff of the neck and dominated it would be totally underselling the definition of the word dominate. He absolutely tore the backside out of the championship and all of the other competitors. None of them were racing for first after basically after the first race. He was absolutely sensational and uh, and was so good that immediately Yamaha had had almost had no choice but to pick him for the uh, for the world super the factory world superbike ride alongside Top Rack. So Unbelievable stuff, uh, but it's it makes me question, uh, in a positive way, uh, how good the lower formula and what a training ground the lower formula of Moto yeah. MotoGP is, uh, Nick. Uh, I, you know, I think it's a good point because I I, I, I don't necessarily see the, the progression anymore being quite so obvious as it used to be. That the, the, the limitation of Moto Three is that you are limited by size and a big guy's never going to win because it's power to weight ratios the 
particular Moto2 uh, multi-chassis single engine formula favours some, favours and not others. And it doesn't appear anymore that people just pop out of one, you know, the, the three to two to one. I, th I think, was it Mir was the first person to, to, to who won Moto3 who became a MotoGP champion this year? No one had done those two before. Mm. So, yeah, and I, and I think... You know, and he was rookie in the year of Moto... Moto in the year, rookie of the year of Moto... Two as well, and by the way, Ralph Fernandez has won, and he's a big lad in Moto Three. But that that was specialist at the track. But yeah, all right. I, no, I meant, I meant when the championship, not odd races. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, it's um, not. So what you're saying is not. It's, it's not as linear as it as it I might think, have once been. I think been. you end up looking for something outside of just results, which seems really odd in what yeah. should be the ultimate uh, meritocracy. But sometimes you look to see what you have to try and extrapolate what what someone's doing on a smaller, more nimble bike to what they'll do on something that's basically overpowered. And will their riding, riding style work with it? And have they got the physical strength to, to pilot it around? And, and, and therefore, you know, the, 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 the march of what we used to see, the, the, the jockey-sized Italians and, and Spaniards, has now kind of been stopped slightly as we look for a different sort of person. Uh, and the key to that, Dex, is unlike... Uh, many of our listeners will be uh, probably far more au fair with uh, four-wheeled uh, racing. Um, it does seem to me that... In two-wheeled motorsport, at these kind of levels, at world level, World Superbike, MotoGP, um, and those two paddocks, that those that are talent spotting, the team managers, uh, etc., they are far more prepared to look at the talent and all right, it's a results-driven business, I understand. But they are looking for somebody that's, oh, yeah, yeah, he didn't get on with that. World Super Sport bike, or he didn't get on with that Moto 2 bike, but we think, and, and Nick said something now I think is very important, riding style, riding style will suit the bigger bike, uh, and it seems people are taking that into consideration. Well, they did with with clearly, you know, when you're the, without question, the number one outfit in the Super Sport 600 class, you kind of have your, your, your pick of of guys to like for example to take over from Randy Krummenacker. Mm. Uh and and they saw enough in him and I was a little I raised a, a little bit of an eyebrow but not as large as the eyebrow of the promotional size one I raised when he absolutely destroyed the field week in week out and it wasn't even close. Yeah. It was and that's it's that's really encouraging. I think it's really encouraging for for uh, uh, to, to Nick's point for some of the guys who are struggling because they're on the wrong chassis in Moto2, for example, or because they don't have enough yeah. money. And I'll give you a perfect example of that before we move on. Tom Booth Amos struggled towards the lower end of the of, of the top tw uh, 20 in MotoGP on a good weekend. And it wasn't all his fault. He, was very, he wasn't bringing a lot of money. Ran out of money, couldn't get a ride uh, that would have been better in 2020 in Moto3 without... without bringing exceptional amounts of money. He goes to Supersport 300, gets a subsidized ride and starts to threaten the podium and win. And, and he arguably is the favorite for the Supersport 300 championship next year. Uh, and that's fantastic. And so it's really, it's really interesting. I, I just having such a, a, a credible uh, ladder system underneath world Superbike is, I think is really helpful for those guys in the MotoGP, particularly those guys who obviously are going to start uh, and say, put their uh, their their uh, stick in the ground and say, yeah, we're I'm going uh, into MotoGP uh, at at CEV or uh, you know or, or uh, Red Bull Rookies Cup or whatever. Uh, but but there is somewhere to go. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, we could talk, I mean, we could make a program about which side of the paddock uh, MotoGP or World Superbike has the most talent, which has the most transferable talent, who should be going where. Maybe we do that before the start of, of, of next season. But anyway, congratulations to Andrea Locatelli, promoted up into the big show. Um, we'll talk about one of the people that might have got that ride instead of him on uh, instead uh, as he has replaced um, Mark van der Mark um, uh, at the VDS uh, team. Uh, and that would be uh, Garrett Gerloff, of course. He's also done a bit of cross-code riding this year. That all still to come. Uh, it's a special programme that you're listening to. We're looking back at the uh, World Superbike Season 2020 here on the Radio Show Limited Network of audio and visual cha- channels. I'm John Hindoff, Nick Damon and Declan Brennan uh, alongside me virtually, of course. Um, if I look at the numbers, I can see 29 riders uh, that have scored points this year going down all the way down to Eric Granado and Xavier Pinsash for Honda and Kawasaki who both got a single point. Uh, before we get into the meat of what we're discussing, Nick Dearman, the season clearly interrupted for a long time. The stat that Tim Gray wanted us to mention was that from March the 1st to August the 1st was the longest time that Johnny Ray hadn't been leading the championship forever and a day. Yeah. Uh, but that was because we actually didn't have any racing. But we did have racing and we did get the season and it affected some riders more than others. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, you know, to, to talk about how different a world it was, the first round on the 1st of March took place as it should do in Australia. And, and yep. it was one of the few championships got its season away uh, on time. And then we alluded to it, a five-month break before we had a very condensed seven-round series uh, within Europe. But, you know, as with so many other series, they, 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 they by their time, waited for the worst of the pandemic to, uh, to, to subside, worked out protocols to get them going and, and ran through. And it, it, interestingly, I, I'm not sure, to be really honest with you, that anyone actually suffered or didn't suffer due to that big delay. I, I can't see an element where someone was, you know, was, 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 was severely hindered by the fact there was a gap because there wasn't a lot of testing going on either no. for a few months. And, and well, so, yeah, possibly in 10, possibly there'd been 10 rounds and it might've been better, but, but you know, my feeling is that, you know, the, the, it went off, it, it was yeah, relatively short, but it's a pandemic. And I think that, you know, we ended up with pretty much the same result if we'd done 11 rounds over the entire period of time. In a normal season. Declan, do you concur? No, I don't. I, I, I've had a really hard think about this. Uh, oh, good. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I, I definitely need to get my priorities in order. They're having hard things about this, but there's other things going on. But uh, And my thought was, I'll give you an example. Just a, a, I'll give you some anecdotal stuff. Uh, HRC signed Dom Yeager as a test rider. Mm. Never got on the bike. They had testing plans, never sat on the bike. Yeah. Uh, you had riders moving to a lot of movement in the rider market. You know, top rack moves to Yamaha. You had Redding coming onto this bike and tire for, well, not the bike, but the tire for the first time. Uh, we had Alex Lowe's moving to Kawasaki. There were, there were people who you would have thought were uh, positioned to threaten Ray and win races who lost a lot of testing time and particularly somebody like hrc and granted we'll probably talk about them separately uh 
HRC HRC lost a, a, a lot of ability to test, but but and as Nick Nick is insistent that uh, that they all ha- had enough time, I just I it, to me it feels like uh, the pa- all the pandemic did was uh, focus on whoever had the most settled package, yeah, uh, and and who was going into it with the most confidence. And uh, and that immediately is going to bring you back to Jonathan Ray and Perry Reba and their combination together on it uh, on that Kawasaki. But they did all have a full preseason, Nick. Which is yeah, your I mean, point? I, I, I'm sitting here thinking. I think Declan's being terribly lovely. I think Declan kind of is, is, is literally turned into North London primary school. Um, they had. And a medal for testing. you, and a medal yes, for they you. They had all the tests they want, and they got the first race off yep. on time. Yeah. So that no, and that is the season starting. And if you were, and then you, if you were lucky, if you had to settle in things, we've had five months to think about it rather than another race three. So I think this actually would benefit people who are new to a package rather than the other way around because they weren't up in the hurly burly. They could sit back and think about things. And there was some time from when the pandemic eased off to when the season started to do to do testing days, and they did testing days. So afraid, I'm afraid I think Dexter suddenly okay. turned lovely people. Right. Well, okay. We can put that put that to one side, uh, and. We may come back to that if we've got time later on. But when we all sat down at whatever time of the day or night it was for the three races uh, for the first round over the weekend of the 1st of March uh, in Australia, we were all very excited. We wanted to know what had gone on. Of course, it had been a um, a bizarre season uh, last year. We wanted to know if, if normality had been... Uh, had been restored. And, and, and I think, first of all, we should say that, for those not aware, it's a three-race weekend, but the three races, decks aren't all three equal races. Well, yeah. So, races one and, uh, slightly confusingly, race three is billed as race two. So, races Correct. one and two give full points. And the middle race, which is uh, what they call the Super Pole race, is uh, effectively half points. There's a reduced number of points because it's a shorter race. It's about 10 uh, or 12 laps typically, yes. isn't it? Yeah. And they give you the... the uh, Pirelli have the what they call the SCX tyre, uh, which is designed specifically for that race. Although, interestingly, that becomes an option and it is available to, to run that what, what effectively is a super sticky uh, soft tyre. You can run that if you like uh, in the longer races and people have done that. I've gambled with that. But... Uh, yeah, so you effectively have uh, your first race, then the qualifying race for, for race three and race three. And uh, yes. we had Philip Island probably uh, didn't uh, didn't necessarily flatter to deceive, but we did have uh, the wonderful prospect of of uh, of uh, Top Rack uh, going head to head with Ray and his new bike uh, and winning race one and Jonathan Ray crashing out. Yes. Something really never did. And, and Jonathan Ray uh, effectively handing Sick a head Nick, start sorry. to his rivals. He was crashed out. He didn't crash. Yeah. He, he was, was running. That is Tom true. Sike. Yeah. Well, was... no, he, he was knocked. Uh, no, sorry. He got knocked off by Tom Sykes and then crashed later on on his own. Don't forget. It, he did get, but he, he remounted. He did. He never actually fell off the bike uh, in the Sykes incident. He just ran into the into the the sand, was able to get back on, and then fell off at turn eight. Actually, yes, I should uh, correct myself because you're not allowed to remount in um, uh, mo- in World Superbike, which you are in MotoGP, of course. If you go down and get separated from your bike, 
that's you done, isn't it? No, it's British Superbikes. Oh, is it? Oh. Yeah. Sorry. I've been watching too many. No, I've no been you're to... right, but it's British Superbikes yeah. have got that rule. So, top rack, Rascal. That's why they have really long arms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big stringy things on the end. Bits of bungee cord. Top at Rice Gathley Oglu uh, won, won the first race from Alex Laws uh, from Scott Redding. Super Paul, Johnny Ray came back and won ahead of Top Rack and Scott Redding. And then it was Laws, Redding, uh, Laws Ray and Redding um, for race two. So we left Australia for that long gap with Scott Redding leading the championship. And, and, and I'm not sure... What we took from that, I was entertained, Nick, I would say that, but I wasn't expecting it to be, um, you know, four months before we saw the guys back on track again. But I, I, I didn't think it was, uh, it was the usual, uh, it was the usual conditions at that time of the year uh, down in, uh, down in Australia. Um, I, I wasn't sure what to to take out of it, although, as Dex points out, um, Laws in uh, one of those races, in in uh, in, in race two, uh, Laws did beat Johnny Ray in a straight fight. Um, that could have set the precedent for the season. Yeah, I mean, I think it was really, it was a very interesting set of races. I always think Philip Island's a bit of an outlier anyway, you know, because, you, you, you know, people are coming in new. There's, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a, a, a unique track. I think I think the person who did what I expected him to do was Scott Redding, which was good, solid up the front results in all three races, you know, and, and three three thirds is, is exactly it. No one expects Johnny Ray to fall off. Um, and obviously Top Rack put a first, second in, and then obviously he retired in the third race, I think it was a mechanical, it may be. Uh, I can't yeah, exactly, yes. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and 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 the rest were where you kind of thought they would be. Alex Lowe's obviously had had, as it turned out, by far his best meeting of the season in the first race. Yes, if only um, we'd known. Yeah, but um, yeah, but I think I think yeah, he kind of the other thing he did, he did see was he, is that yeah, it was obvious the Hondas had lots of work to do, which they, which they they admitted up front, but it was a lot more than you thought it was going to be. They they really weren't, you know, the, the, their their competitiveness was flattered by other people falling off mostly. Worth mentioning as well that Sykes started on on pole uh, and this is this is I, I, I this stuck with me he started on pole Laverty struggled and I think started 15th and they finished uh, they finished up 9th and 10th they basically had the same level of performance they just did it in different ways uh, mm. you know Sykes pushed and couldn't do anything with the tyre and the t- like obviously that 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 chassis and engine combination is is not is n- not good no. The engine was uh, started off with the basically with the production engine, John. I think we talked about this at the start yes, of the season. Correct. And the and the, the massively the, down on power for the uh, yeah. for the BMW. Yeah. And yet the bike is still not good on on its tires. And and so you ended up with Sykes doing what he's always been able to do, which is create a, a, an advantage by being fast over a lap, but just you know just collapsing in the race, plummeting down the order, and extremely frustrating for BMW. And it, and it take... has led to BMW bringing out what is effectively a homologation special bike. Yes, yeah, yeah the new bike, the new bike is uh, yes, they're they're generally and genuinely quite excited about the prospects of the new bike. Uh, which and Nick and I are both. Uh, I'm still a BMW owner, although my bike has six cylinders. Um, Nick, you you've had yeah, the no, bike, no, no. a couple of the versions of the bike on which the superbike is 
is uh, based. Uh, yeah, they're only about twenty six. Was it thirty six thousand pounds off buying that one as well? Yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm, sh- <laughs> no, I'm sure. I mean, genuinely considered, and this was the conundrum that BMW had throughout the the season. Really, that thousand RR genuinely considered to be, if not the best, certainly one of a couple of the best bikes that you can buy for a street bike in that category. Um, being a BMW, it's exceptionally well engineered. It's got all the toys on it um, and it performs. You know, BMW does four-cylinder bike shocker, good four-cylinder bike shocker. But it didn't, as Dex said, convert into the world superbike uh, performance that they were hoping. No, it hasn't, has it? How many years is it now they've been trying from full works team to part works team to privateer team and, and, and back again? Um, BMW have all what would seem to be the raw materials, as you say, by far the most usable street bike. But, you know, perhaps people say the Aprilia is, a, is the ultimate if you want to go around, you know, blatting it about. But certainly if you want to actually own a bike, it's a BMW. But it's not – in all their incarnations, it's not actually – become a decent bike and i'm not wishing to to, to to give the end of the story away at the end of the entire season their best result was a single fifth place yeah and, um, and 12th in the championship with Tom and Sykes. Was, yeah. which is you know given they were not they weren't scrimping on cash and you know the only other time they showed anything was when they managed to again make advantage of the fact the car the, the lack of the, the power for the bike wasn't an issue and they managed to get the tires to work it lap and they put stuck the thing on pole and second place in may core and we all know how that finished Mm. Or get yes. that when we talk about Manny Cole. They got, they got <laughs> girl-offed. Yeah, they, they got absolutely girl-offed uh, there. Um, while we're talking about the manufacturer's decks, a word about Honda. Whereas BMW have now had a couple of seasons, three seasons actually, um, where they've been struggle, struggling to refine uh, that BMW 1000RR. They've decided to go another route with the homologation specialist we've just talked about. Honda and the new Fireblade, and we talked at the start of the season about how important it was for Honda to come back um, with the new Fireblade, which, with their Halo bike, which is what that is. Uh, and, all right, it's their first season, all the things that you talked about as well. Um, and their their best finisher, Alvaro Bautista, ninth position uh, in the championship uh, overall, and really didn't seem to make any progression. In fact, Nick's just written that. Uh, didn't get any better through the season, which was I, a little bit they, of a shock to me. I'd say there was, there was incremental improvement. Okay. Uh, there, a little bit. We saw it a little But not as good towards. as everybody else who were moving, moving quicker away from them. They... He, the thing... That, uh, the... the the single moment that indicated to me where where they are and where uh, uh, they are in terms of the rest of the field was the Super Pole race at Barcelona when Batista got into the lead. Mm-hmm. But you could tell that the they were pushing the envelope in terms of performance. He was on such a knife edge and he had that... So uh, it is a turn four. He comes out of four and and in the lead and and with the with the throttle wide open and has an enormous high side. Like just the thing just chucked him off because they are absolutely on the limit in terms of their performance and 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 are are pushing so hard to get to a median level of performance that has already been achieved by by Yamaha and Kawasaki and they have so much more work to do hmm. uh, and they they've got. Batista is, is a good enough rider. This is HRC. I don't, none of you are aware of this, but 
This is basically the first time HRC have been involved in the series since Colin Edwards in 2002. Yeah. When they were on the Castro bikes. This is, and that's this why is... it's so important for them, isn't it? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll... We've talked about this in the past, is that I'm not sure if Fireblade can afford to not win, like yeah. the Fireblade brand. on Hon- yeah. HRC can't, can't afford for this not to work. It's a it's a fair point that Dex uh, to to be honest um, didn't win anywhere in in 2020. That MotoGP uh, season, of course, hampered by the lack of Mark Marquez. Uh, they celebrated a, a, a podium for Alex Marquez at Le Mans as if they'd won the championship uh, in MotoGP. By the way, we will have another program. Uh, specifically for MotoGP. Let's talk about the other manufacturers before we get into the, the riders. Um, if we leave Aprilla to one side, um, because, you know, they're sort of on one side, um, and look at the other, look at the other, uh, the other manufacturers. Uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, VDS and Yamaha, but what, ab- what about Yamaha then, Nick, uh, on the season with the R1? Very disappointing. Very disappointing. No real progress forward. Um, Top Rack, you know, was was the star rider, but his season had a kind of a really mediocre middle period. Great first couple of rounds with, with some bad luck with retirements. Great final round, but in between, nothing much really. Michael van der Mark, um, you know, the big lanky uh, Dutchman. Well, he, I don't know where his focus went or their focus on him went almost immediately when he decided he was going to go to BMW next year. And, you know, it, it ends up we were just talking about Garrett Gerloff, who, mm-hmm. you know, because he is, you know, again, he, he if you look at Garrett Gerloff's results, he's he has basically had what you would say is the, the absolute archetypal rookie season, just slowly getting the idea, a couple of, you know, and, and, and his results. I'll give you an example. In the first um, five rounds, he didn't, his, his best result was eighth. In the last three rounds, his worst result was eighth when he finished, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's where I really think is about. But the Yamaha, the bike itself, to sum up, I think that's gone nowhere and they need a lot of work. Uh, we'll talk about the individual riders. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to decide how far we've got to go down. I don't intend to talk about all of the 29 who've scored points, so I might just pick out a few uh, inside the top 20 before we, we get to the big names from round about 12th, 12th 13th, 14th um, upwards and have a quick word about all of them. Ducati... As a as a manufacturer and and as a brand in World Superbikes, Dex. I'm not. I have a theory, John, that you and I have shared over a beer, and uh, and and I, and I know I've mentioned it to Nick as well. I really do uh, have. I'm very wary of any manufacturer trying to win in both categories, mm-hmm. uh, and trying to put forward a a uh, absolutely top line effort in MotoGP and in World Superbike. And that might be a very simplistic way to look at things, but Kawasaki aren't in MotoGP for a reason mm. because they're winning in World Superbikes mm-hmm. and they were not going to dilute that effort. Uh, Ducati, I'm not sure they know what they're trying to do. Mm. And the reason I say that is uh, I, I look at uh, the rider choices they made for 2021 for example uh they they've taken a a kid with with who showed some form on the go 11 private bike and they've got rid of a, a solid hand in Chaz davis and they've brought in uh, michael rubin rinaldi 
I'm not sure that's going to help them win uh, and take points regularly off the off of Johnny Ray and give Scott Redding the chance to win the championship next year. I find them, uh, I find their approach very confusing. And and as Nick is saying saying uh, offline. Davis is a better rider than Michael Ruben Rinaldi. And, and Nick, I, I'm very happy for you to chat about that specifically. Yeah, I mean... Well, we'll, I, we'll, I, come, we'll come back to riders. I want to come back to riders. We'll, we'll talk about the riders uh, in a minute. Uh, I absolutely agree with you, uh, what you're saying, Dex, about splitting your focus. Uh, Kawasaki won the championship, so you might say that Kawasaki did the best job. And I'll, I'll let you both have a, a, a chat about Kawasaki as a manufacturer at the moment. But what you've said there, Dex, links actually to a point I wanted to talk about. Um, and, and that is, what is the point of difference or similarity between World Superbikes and MotoGP? You know, we used to talk about it as saying, oh, it's a bit like touring cars versus prototypes in the four-wheel world. I don't think it's quite like that anymore. It's a bit more like GTE or GT Le Mans for World Superbike, which is clearly based on a road-going vehicle, but hell's teeth. There's a lot of work going into it and a lot of technology going into it, whereas MotoGP is still a little more like a prototype or a single-seater. Is that still fair, technically and philosophically, for the differences between Superbike and MotoGP? And therefore, the technology and the effort for the manufacturers doesn't translate between them, Dex? Oh, uh... Oh, well, I'll, I'll, go on. I'll, 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 let, I'll let Nick take that first. Sorry. Go I, think, I think the key difference is, is that with a MotoGP bike, you start with a blank sheet of paper. And with a uh, World Super Bike, you start with a bike that's already been designed to do a different job entirely, um, which is impress people on the roads and always be road legal and road safe. Um, I think the bikes are significantly closer than they ever used to be. Um in the, you know, the, the you power, mean the, the world superbike and the uh, motor GP, right. yeah. Because I think the point is you, 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 because you reach a point where you, you've got the, you've have reached the point of the limit of the amount of power you can put through a tire. So, you know, having extra power at that point becomes less important than having rideability. And then, you know, and those those elements around. It. Yes, we always see people whacking down the straight. But it, the point about it is, is you, you, you have to start looking about power management and power output. And, and, the, and you can get the same amount of power, or BMW can't, but other people can, out of your litre production-based engine as you can out of your, your litre prototype-based engine. Mm. So at that point, I think, you know, the, the, the bikes are very, very similar. But the concepts are slightly different because of where the, where the frames come from. And obviously, you know, it's, 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 there's a lot of V engines within uh, motor GPs because of the, the firing order. But I think there's, there's very little in it. And, and, and I think the, the challenge possibly is, 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 is actually harder in World Superbikes because you have to try and make something that works both in the real world and then can be converted into a race bike. It really depends where you, you put that emphasis in the first place, John. Yeah, I, 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 I would say also about, for me, MotoGP, um, I, I look at that now and see all the aerodynamic accoutrements yes, on the yes. bikes, the, uh, the advances in electronics, uh, which has been slightly pegged back in uh, in world superbike only only slightly uh, don't get me wrong but it's certainly the advances in world superbike and the freedom that they have been given dex that does cascade back down into 
into the street bikes. Yeah, and just on that subject, uh, a question on 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 uh, from me to you, the things like in MotoGP, we're not going to see things like the uh, the the launch controller and the modified version of launch control that they can use out of the slower corners. We're yeah. not going to see that Suspension on a road bike. management. Yeah, yeah, and and the tar cooler, the tar cooler, the 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 uh, uh, the underbody stuff. We're not going to see it on a road bike. Whereas there is a direct link. Uh, because whether it's Kawasaki or BMW or or, uh, or Honda, they have to build a bike uh, in its basic form for the road that is going to be applied to, even though, yes, they're very different. Mm. But the fundamental bike has to be the bike that's sold on the road. Yeah. Uh, and, and, interesting, and the interesting part about that is they've got to get it right because really the changes you can make and the testing you can do and the, and the things you can do in terms of little things, I don't know, lengthening your, you know, shortening or lengthening your swing, arms. Uh, your swing arm, it's like little things like that. There, there, there's way less that they can do than, than a MotoGP team can do in testing. So uh, it's a, you're right. It, the MotoGP's existence has to be, uh, or sorry, bigger part, World Superbike's existence is about creating uh, uh, bikes for the road. And therefore, I, I, I think we'll always see this championship uh, thriving to some extent because it is absolutely the closest thing we have to. Uh, uh, is GT Le Mans probably the best? Uh, I, I think analogy? so now. I think it is now because yes, there is a base model, um, a road based model on which the racing bike to which it owes its heritage and its existence and it, and it you know also tend, they tend to be aspirational models don't they for the manufacturers uh, concerned um and i i think that it, I, I that's that's the way i look at it i think that's the best analogy the the other thing that uh, the other thing that is the big difference for me between world superbike and motor gp is the chassis because whilst i know they don't like to um you can make chassis changes uh, within a season or, or indeed use last year's chassis, as some of them have been doing this year, to good effect um, to get the tyres to work. With World Superbike, you're pretty much, Nick, you are pretty much left with what you've got from the bike on which it is based. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's very much less you can do with the chassis because that's one of the key elements that are taken apart. It's like modified, but they are they need to have that that, that look of the real thing. Mm. Um, yeah. And the tyres, of course, they are Pirelli tyres. That's one of the, the changes many, many years ago, which which I think was a, a retrograde step. In fact, when, when World Superbikes adopted it, they were quite ahead of the curve with the standard tyres. And that kind of kicked out the, the wild cards we used to see from the local Superbike championships because mm. they weren't on the same tyre. But the Pirelli tyres, I mean, it's about the one series where the Pirelli tyres probably actually do a decent job. And they you know, and they produce three or four different co- compounds that work like three or four different compounds. There's always one which will last the race, but it's a bit hard. And then there's ones which you've got to take a risk with. And as uh, Declan said earlier, they've even got a super soft, which isn't even designed for the long races, but you can use it if you want to. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's one thing for once. I wouldn't actually have a complaint about I think they have actually got a, a single tyre supplier who supplies a very good tyre. I want to rattle through a few riders uh, in the bottom half of the top 20 before we get into the big chat about those at the sharp end of the field and, and, and how the season uh, progressed for them. I, I pick I pick on um, 20th because Sylvain Barrier um, is a name that some people will know. Riding the Ducati, he only scored uh, 12 points uh, on, the, uh, on the season, um, although he did do 18 
uh, races. Sylvan, much better known, Dex, as a, an endurance rider. Yeah, and he he was slightly out of his depth is, is unfair because it's more about, uh, as well, the team he was riding with. The, the problem when you go down the field uh, and... And uh, this group, like people like Cortese, who's got a ton of experience. They and Jonas going to manage him next, yeah. And, and Jonas Folger, who's the next and, one and up. Jonas and Folger, Marco yeah. Melandri. That's the yeah. four I was looking at there, who were 17th, 18th, 19th and 20th. Melandri, Folger, Cortese and Sylvain Barrier. All names that people who follow two-wheel sport probably would have heard of. Well, Folger came in as a, effectively as a wild card uh, for two events from the German. He's only this year come back to doing the German superbikes for uh, for Yamaha. He's done a really good job. He won his first, he won both of his first races in German superbikes. And then I think he has eyes on, on making a proper return because don't forget, he lost his ride at Tech 3 because of illness. Yeah. Not because of, not because of his inability. Up until uh, Oliveira won, Tech 3's best result was second, and he had a second for them in 2017 at the German Grand Prix. He knows what he's doing, uh, and I would love to see him get a proper ride. And I think what what it, this says to me about some of these guys who are obviously more than competent riders is the depth now in in World Superbikes is pretty substantial. You know, you've got to be on it. If you're, you're a, for example, like HRC are struggling, as we talked about, BMW factory bikes are struggling. Uh, really well-sorted private uh, Ducatis uh, are, are, if you're not on, if you weren't on Go 11, you weren't, you didn't have a chance. It's, it's, there's a ton of depth and therefore those guys at, at that's that, even the likes of Cortese and, and Barrier, who probably did the majority of the season, a uh, b- big chunk of it in the middle, have, don't have much of a chance before starting off. You're, you're, you are absolutely in, in the uh, realm of the also round because there's probably 10 to 12 spots that are already pretty much decided every week. Yeah. And, and if we move up a little higher, if we can, even somebody like Kari Kasula, who would have come up to the series as, as a, uh, as a, a partner to Gerloff in the Yamaha Junior 24 team. Probably, races. 24 yeah. races this year and 58 points. Never on the podium. No faster slaps. Never had a chance. No. It, this, again, this is the what we kind of intimated at earlier. With making the jump from 300 to 600 and stuff, making the jump from super sport to super bike right now in this in this particular era is really hard. Locatelli will have a lot of his work cut out. Caracasulo is going back to super sport yeah. uh, because he just couldn't cut it uh, in a way that Gerloff, by the by halfway through the season, had found the secret sauce. And, and when we get to Gerloff, we'll, we'll talk about Gerloff. Uh, did a great job. but but So it, it's hard. It's a hard series. There's a lot of good riders and a lot of fac- factories taking part. Uh, uh, Javi Forrest was in 13th position for, for Kawasaki. Again, he did the full season, uh, as did uh, Tom Sykes, who did get a pole, um, but that was about it. He got the one pole on the season for BMW, finished in 12th place with 88 points. Bear in mind, our winner scored 360 uh, points. And then just outside the uh, top 10 at 11, the... Uh, American import, Garrett Gerloff. Now, we've sort of talked around Garrett uh, a little bit, uh, but here's our chance to to talk about him. Probably, uh, so first of all, three podia, 
which was two-thirds and a second, I think, and scores 103 points on the season. Probably his defining moment was not in this paddock, but was over in Mortal GP in terms of his career potential, Nick, when he subbed on a Friday for Valentino Rossi, who tested positive for the virus. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a fantastic um, opportunity, which he, which he grabbed with both hands. I think it was definitely pointed out the reason it happened, because he's sponsored by the correct energy drink and not the wrong energy drink, which is who sponsors Top Rack, who would be the obvious choice for a uh, world superbike. Um, Yamaha rider. Yeah. Yamaha rider. Um, yeah, I think, Gareth, as I said before, he, he, he just came on so strong in the last three or four races of the uh, of the season. It's just that switch. When he just suddenly got it. And, and you know, from from from, current, from being OK, and but being that, that pack between sort of eight and 14 suddenly he was moving to the front and and effectively was always in the top five or six and he didn't fall off so um yeah and with that upward momentum but again as as Declan said surprising that they didn't put him in the works team to replace Michael van der Mark and went for Locatelli instead but then of course one of the glorious things about motorcycle satellite teams is sometimes they have the full works outfit and no one says anything about it good to have a, a US rider back because we didn't have one Quite a rare thing, actually, in in 2019. Uh, he's been right up the USA motorcycle ladder virtually without missing a rung, Dex. So he's, he's, he's done. He might not be well known to some people, but he's worked his apprenticeship, hasn't he? He has. He's gone through the Moto America ladder system. Uh, he was a super sport champion in 2017 and 18, I saw him race in Supersport at Coda uh, uh, in the Grand Prix support in 2017. Uh, he did uh, a bigger part in 16 and 17. In 18, uh, he moved. He graduated to Moto America as basically as as the second rider to Cameron Bobier in the Monster Yamaha team, mm. and he did. He was really smart, and this is this is back to a point that that Nick made earlier. Uh, and he's he has been allowed everywhere he's gone to develop at the right pace. It's something that it yeah. seems to happen in in two wheel sport far more. Maybe Helmut Marco was just clouding my judgment here, but but it just seems to happen in two wheel sport at the top far more than it does at the right speed in uh, in in Formula One particularly. People seem to get more of a chance. But he was allowed to develop. He uh, didn't win in in. In 18, in 19, he won four times, mm. didn't win the championship, but was, for whatever reason, got noticed uh, and then made the decision himself to come to the finale of uh, World Superbike that season. And that impressed people. Manages himself, didn't have yeah. actual representation at yeah. the time. Ben Spees was helping him. Uh and, and lobbied for him in Europe. And that definitely helped, obviously, if you have an ex-World Superbike champion for Yamaha asking people to, to give you help. But it, but uh, he didn't he didn't win in Motor America until 2019. Uh, but So he comes over and he is, again, in the junior team and he's given good the solid, space. But, but it's a good, solid rookie season for him, what, yeah, but, whichever way you look at it. But he's... Dex? home during a pandemic which can't have been easy but yet the whole thing begins to click uh by barcelona and he is uh without question a front runner from then on and yes yamaha made a 
that there, there's certainly a statement made by Yamaha yeah. uh, giving him the, the MotoGP ride. And I think he, they probably also, back to Nick's point, uh, are using uh, the GRT uh, junior team as a, uh, a, a effectively a, a second works team because I don't believe for a minute he's not going to get the support he needs to, to mount a championship uh, assault in 2021. Uh, Leon Haslam finished 10th for back at Honda now for what his third time uh, at Honda 36 at the start of the season Leon which absolutely messes with my mind Uh, he didn't add to his five World Superbike victories and 45 podiums this year um, he's now done nine full seasons since 2003 in World Superbikes. And, of course, last year, Nick, he was a uh, uh, teammate of Jonathan Rip for Kawasaki. So he's been through, I think he's been through all the manufacturers now um, <laughs> and, and, now, and gone back effectively to, I think it was Ducati, Honda, Suzuki. So he's gone back the second. So he's working his way back for a second or, in Honda's case, a third time, 36 years old now, as I say, he's, he's no kid. Uh, and last year, having to jump off the Kawasaki onto, onto the Honda, how do you rate his his season this year for Leon? Um, yeah, I think uh, given the fact he was hired to effectively run test and back up to Alvaro Bautista, you know, he's finished, just trying to scroll my page, he's finished, what, on exactly the same number of points as his uh, erstwhile leader. So... In many ways, either, either he's overperformed or Bautista's underperformed. Well, they yeah. both performed to the level of the bike. I think the thing about Haslam is, is, is he, I don't think he's got that winning spark anymore. I know only three years ago he won British Superbikes. British Superbikes is a weird championship where the quality ranges massively year to year. And sometimes it's almost easy for some to win it, and, and other times it's almost impossible. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, he's a, as you say, he's now effectively taken on the level of high level journeyman at 36. Um, he's getting a very good, he's getting paid very well. On the whole, he brings the bike back. Only, only two retirements. One of those, unfortunately, was when he was very high up in the uh, very wet race, the first wet race in Main Corps, and he, and he went down, I think, last yeah. couple of corners. Yeah. But it, it was a solid that season. That was heartbreaking. Now. Yeah, it's a solid season. He'll be, he'll be he'll be retained again for next year, and then he'll be and then they'll, they'll find someone else for the, following that. Because you know, not for anything against him, it's just where he is in his career and where he's in his ultimate potential. But you know, and I, you know, and and just to to, to leap into Val, I'll take Bautista as well. I think Bautista, I, I would say, is pro, has probably disappointed the uh, the Honda team. He's not managed to lead them anywhere. This is the problem we were to, uh, alluded to earlier. The bike went nowhere during the year, and 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 that surely must fall on on as much on Bautista's shoulders as anyone else's. Yeah, and um, you know, he's thirty five now as well, Bautista. Of course, made his name with uh, a decade and a half and more in the Mortal GP paddock, including winning uh, the one two five world. Uh, championship back in 2006 now can you can you believe that um, now he did uh, get a, a third place and a one fastest lap this year but as Nick says Declan finishes up on the same points total uh, as Leon Haslam and and there there they are the two Honda riders sitting right at the bottom end of the top 10 is that good enough for Honda um, or will they be looking to I mean, they will be looking to improve, but but you know, is that okay for them this year? Bautista changing manufacturers and teams again, uh, as as was Leon, or, or was that a disappointing year all round for those riders as well? I would absolutely believe that this has been a fairly disastrous year for them. If you get beaten by 
uh, Mike and Ruben Rinaldi and Loris Baz, who are both on are both private bikes, mm. and you you finish behind them. You're not even uh, you know uh, there's a whole group of of uh, of factory riders, and uh, you're not in that group. Uh, that that means there's got to be some questions answered uh, at HRC. They brought this uh, under one roof with with MotoGP. This is a a, a they've they've dabbled and and performatively pretended they were serious about this for a few years and now they are and no, it hasn't happened and they have a lot of work to do and they even in the test over the last few days at Jerez uh, even then they said yeah we made a lot of progress but we also you know didn't do so well so that there's a lot of of what I, I wouldn't say negative, but there's just a, a lot of head scratching going on there that, that they are not getting anywhere close to where the bike needs to be. It's really fast in a straight line. It's yeah. a fast bike. Yeah. It's got power. Now it's basically, they've got to do everything else. And, uh, and that's the hard bit. And I'm not sure how you do that when you're also trying to uh, resurrect your MotoGP program next year and, mm. and, uh, and get, uh, the, the resurrection of the GP program is entirely down to the recovery level of Mark Marquez. It doesn't. Oh, well, you else. see, you, you 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 say that, and not to go off on a tangent. Oh, tangent alert! But uh, no. I, but it's it's not necessarily the case that the the HRC uh, the the NSR was uh, I was going to say five hundred, which had shown my age. I know. Uh, was was going was actually going to be the dominant bike. So I, I'm I'm not necessarily uh, disagreeing, uh, but but ultimately. There's a huge job for them to do on the other side of, of of that factory, and how they do that and then compete with with somebody like Kawasaki who are are making incremental changes to a dominating bike with yeah. the best rider in the world or the second, arguably according to Nick, the second best rider in the world. I'm not sure how they do that. No, I, I, I think of it like this, dear listener. Um, think of Honda as Ferrari, and imagine Ferrari were racing in Formula One and racing as a factory team in, um, let, let's say, the new LMDH category, and neither of them were doing very well. Uh, imagine how much strain that would be putting on everybody, because that is an organisation that is based on winning. Honda is, is arguably, Nick, even more used to winning and there's the honor thing from japan and the technology thing and you know that's their core that the honda motorcycle is their core there's a heck of a lot of pressure there when you've got two programs where it seems at the moment um that you're you're pretty much out of sorts yeah, and, and I think, you know, all right, this was year one of a new bike, but they've been dabbling for five or six years badly at the back with, with various versions. Um, I, you know, I can't, I can't, I think it's a very good analogy you made with, um, with, with Ferrari and, and having, to, what do you prioritise? Now, exactly. I, I, I think, you know, we will see in next year if they can start making progress um, on, on the superbike side. But that's going to you know, that's going to take some some people actually knowing what's wrong. And the fact that the bike didn't improve during the year makes you wonder if they know what they're trying to improve. Yeah, if they actually have identified it, there'll be a lot of work going on, I'm sure. You're listening to a special programme as we look back here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels uh, on the 2020 World Superbike season. Uh, and we've come to ninth in the Riders' Championship. The uh, lanky Frenchman, Alvaro Batista, 
uh, excuse me, uh, Loris Bartz uh, on the uh, Yamaha, and he's in eighth position. My apologies, we've done the tenth and ninth. So Loris Bartz in eighth position. Uh, the, as I said, tall Frenchman uh, who uh, reminds me about this Dex. Didn't he jump onto the Yamaha halfway through last year with Ten Cartier and finished? I've just checked this back, and I think he finished tenth last year, which is actually. Um, quite remarkable considering they only arrived at, at round round six. Um, two places up, 142 points. Um, in terms of you know four podiums, two seconds, two thirds, and a fastest lap, was was that the step forward? Tenkarte and Loris Bars would have been looking for. Look at the results towards the end of the season, and you see what what this team is capable of, and. and uh, I, I don't even remember, but we... Uh, I they said had a good second the... half of the season last yeah. year as well. Are they a second half of the season team then? Well, I I, I said, I remember we, we talked, I said he'd make the top five uh, 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 at Phillip Island uh, and they'd been great after testing. And uh, sadly, that didn't happen. He quite, twice he finished seventh and seventh, having been in the top five uh, and raced at the front the whole time. The big problem they have is is they're a private team. They're absolutely a private team and they're not running a factory spec engine. They, uh, well, they certainly weren't at the start of the season and irrespective of how good Loris is, he's, and he's really good, uh, that they are effectively, uh, hamstrung by that. And you could, you could tell that race to race that he was over short distances, uh, and over specific sect- sections of races or in, in practice that the, the bike is, is competitive and he's competitive, but without the, that final couple of percent that the factories have, that he's always going to struggle. They are certainly moving in the right direction. Uh, and they certainly were by the second half of the season or the, or the last third of the season, effectively yeah. Bar- Barcelona, Man- Manicur and Estoril. The issue he has is now is that they've run out of money and they don't even know what they're doing next year. So he can't even carry that moment right now. There's no chance that he's carrying that momentum into 2021. And it's a shame because he is, he's a really solid rider and, and him, for him to be out on the outside looking in uh, is a surprise. And when we get to, uh, to, we can talk further about that, where he might land in 2021 at the end, but uh, they, they might say that now. I just think that there's with the, with the potential talk of factory, uh, the big factory BMW program being extended to include at least one uh, satellite outfit. I think he could end up, end up there. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's it's it is a shame because I think he he particularly in the second half of the season was probably getting close to everything he could out of that package. So that's Loris Bars. Then uh, let's move up to the next position uh, in the championship. Uh, we move to seventh. Michael Ruben Rinaldi back on a Ducati this year and on his third season, second full season actually, third season in World Superbikes at least. Nicky got the steer on a Panagali, was with Barney last year, the independent team, independent champs, uh, got a fourth position and 13th in the championship. So he has made, he's made improvement. He's up to seventh uh, and effectively third best Ducati, managed to steer with the lead group on occasions and, and was fighting it out for positions. Uh, got a Got three podia this year, including a win, of course. One second, one third, two fastest laps. Yeah, well done, Michael. Um, first thing I want to say about Michael Rubinaldi, he's Italian. 
and then we'll go from there. Rimini. Basically, he was on a effectively semi almost works by the satellite team Go 11, a, a really high quality Ducati. And he, outside of one round, the second round at Aragon, what have they called that? Was it the Terrell GP or something? Yeah. Was pretty okay. Not good. Not bad. Probably on the on the on the top on the on the upper level of okay. But on one meeting in Aragon, he won the first long distance race, was third in the Super Bowl and second. Wow, three podiums a weekend, which uh, Declan actually pointed out to be coincided with contract time. And at that point, he was signed up for the works team, as it turns out, at the expense of multi-race winner Chaz Davis, who, and then let's just look at what happened after that for Michael Rinaldi. He then, his best result after those three podiums was a sixth. And in the, in the following three events, which with Chaz Davis, when he hadn't got away the slide, his worst result was a fifth. Hmm. So why did he get the promotion is my question, because he basically did... What do you expect someone driving a top level, not driving, riding a top level fa- sub factory bike to do? That is finish where he finished. But they decided to promote him. Out Davis has won so many. I was all surprised how many races Davis has won. Also, they wanted to win two more. He's won 31 races. Thank you, whispering my ear. There was uh, was Declan. It's a completely ridiculous decision made by a team has proven it needs as many top riders as possible to compete with Kawasaki. But there we go. I have nothing personally against Malcolm Ruben Rinaldi. I have no understanding why he's been promoted for what was basically a baseline season with one decent, really good meeting. I, I will say in not, this is uh, Charles Davis's problem a little bit is, and he did this in 2019 as well Is go back and look at his 2019 results. It takes him forever to get going. Yeah. It takes like he look at what he'd and to be honest, a little bit of the decision making about 2021 probably either started or at least 2019 was taken into account because while Batista took the series by the scruff of the neck in 2019 on on the Ducati, Chaz Davis didn't do anything to support him. Mm. Uh, he struggled and then he then he got going uh, very much the way he does in races. Like in races, he he doesn't necessarily start well. He doesn't lead lead from the front. He 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 works his way in and and gradually, uh, uh you know, he did very rarely qualifies uh, well or starts up the front. And he kind of did that with the season as well. And he's his own worst enemy from that respect. And I hundred percent agree with with Nick. Uh, Michael Ruben Rinaldi hasn't done enough to earn the ride over him. Yet Chaz finds himself out of a ride. Now, granted, there's been some amazing rumors uh, about him potentially getting the second Apria ride in MotoGP, partially because Dorna really want to have uh, a, a, British rider. A, Brit- a British rider. Uh, so it might end up being uh, a, 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 a lucky escape for him, but it is very hard to see fully what, Ducati's thinking is regarding uh, taking it to Kawasaki in 2021 with that racing lineup. Uh, Let's move up into the top six and uh, sixth position on 189 uh, points. It is teammate to the winner. Uh, Jonathan Ray, of course, took the championship. This is Alex Laws, who, um, I mean, it's... It's a bit of a poison challenge, chalice this, uh, and a challenge. Uh, finished f- uh, third position in the standings last year with what a lot of people 
commentators were calling a breakout year for Alex, the man from Lincoln, in the east of, of England, Nick. Nine podiums along the way. And that got him a plum seat. But it, as I say, it's a poison challenge because he's on the ZX-10RR Kawasaki, but he's alongside Jonathan Ray. And other than that first race in Australia... Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think it, I mean it, uh, the definition of flattering to deceive is uh, Alex Lowe's uh, season. I have no idea what has gone wrong there. I think he was struggling with illness uh, and injury for a bit of the season, but you know, it's, it's is it the same? Is he basically just the Alex Albon of the motorcycle world? Is is being teammate to Johnny Ray, who's obviously has the bike designed around him, and and, and rightly so in his case, unlike Max Verstappen hasn't earned it. Um, is it just too much of a struggle to get past that? You know, it's it's. Uh, it, 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 the weird thing was, it just there was no, apart from the wet race in May Court where he had a couple of really pretty decent results, he was just mired down in sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, and he wasn't, you know, it wasn't even, you know, wasn't even a, a patch of a, of a podium on a, in a dry race. And you think, well, what's going on there? He's a good rider. It's a great bike. What is he not getting? He's got another year to get it. But you know, it's the same. It's always, I reckon I haven't overlay. But I reckon Leon has some result from last year. Overlay him on Alex results from, from this year. It's going to be about the same. So is it just number two to Kawasaki top super ace rider Johnny Ray syndrome? Well, except he did finish third in the championship um, last year, and he's gone backwards. I mean, I see. I see what you mean by. You know, I, I, I'm I'm not sure, Dex, uh, first of all, I don't expect the phone to ring, but I'm not sure that I'd want to be number two or even in the same team as as Johnny Ray. And that's nothing to do with Johnny. Uh, it, it, that is a cutthroat area. And, and, you know, Kawasaki are used to being at the sharp end. I've not, I haven't got it in front of me, and I, I should have done this, but I don't think once he got himself settled down at at Kawasaki, uh, which would be 2015, I believe. So Sykes won the championship in 2014. Uh, I don't believe he's been troubled really uh, by any of his teammates. And to do, he basically ran Sykes out of the team. Uh, Sykes was a world champion and he comes in. You're talking about Jonathan Ray here. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and so to Nick's point, I think it's really hard to know uh, 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 to, or I beg your pardon, let me set it again. I think it's really hard to go into that team and to uh, to expect uh, to perform at the level that, that Ray can because it's becoming apparent that Ray is transcendent in his abilities. And therefore, if you uh, join that team, that's you know, woe be you because you you are either going to have to live up to that level or be judged by that level. And then suddenly it changes the way people look at you and the, and the perspective of like it did with Leon. Leon, I expected more out of and he didn't. He couldn't do it uh, in that team, Leon Haslam. Alex, the same. Alex, it's made him look really ordinary. And I'm not sure he is an ordinary writer, but it's yeah. made him look really, really ordinary. And Nick, I'm I'm slowly but surely moving into your uh, uh, way of thinking regarding Jonathan Ray's ultimate ability. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll we'll talk about um, Johnny Ray uh, later on, obviously, when we get to the top of of the championships. And I will be asking uh, asking that question. Let's move to the fifth of the championship. Uh, The Pata Yamaha 
rider Michael van der Mark. I think I called Mark van der Mark earlier on. From too many marks in that. That is the uh, the VDS. Uh, sorry, that's the Pata Yamaha rider. Excuse me. Uh, and he. Uh, Finished fifth, 223 points, so well ahead of Alex, uh, some 40 points ahead of Alex, and only five points uh, behind Top Rack. Uh, and let's not forget, uh, that Nick, this is a rider uh, that in 2015, 16, 2016 was fourth on a Honda in this championship. Mm. Um, is this where we kind of expect... Mickey VDM. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think he did really well for two reasons. One, because he stayed within five points of Top Rack, who was by far the the favoured son. Especially, obviously, after Michael announced he was moving to BMW, which was really early in the season because everything happened early in the season because the season was so delayed. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, That's if someone point. said to me at the end of the season, Michael van der Marks and have you know half a dozen podiums and a win. And come fifth, and I go, yeah, yeah, no, that's about it. Yep, eight you know, podiums, and... <laughs> one win, two seconds, six thirds, one, you know, one fastest lap. That's it, you know. And but it, this is not to denigrate him because he's doing exceptional things in exceptionally difficult championship. But he ends up just being outside the Champions League places, and that's where he'll be. He'll be Europa Club forever, in my opinion. I he's Wolves. I, uh, yes. Well, uh, no, because I think he's more, he's more consistent than Wolves. He's, 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 perhaps he was Tottenham five years ago. I'm, I'm shaking <laughs> my head because there's so many people who are going to be going, what are they talking about now? This is football, soccer. Uh, uh, of course. Uh, uh, so a decent uh, year last year. Got I think, what, a single win last year? But got that wrist injury in Mazzano. Um, this could, should, might have been a, a breakout year on the YZF. R one, uh, no, no. <laughs> you, you think I, you think the same sort of as, as Nick? He's he's I about where he should you, be. Yeah, I said to you uh, in in the review of last season. I said uh, as we look forward to twenty twenty. I said every team had a one and a two, and uh, funnily enough, that it's exactly the case with Alex Lowes and Jonathan Ray. And I really felt like every team had a, a distinct one and a distinct two, uh, and. Toprak is a fundamentally better, faster, younger rider, hungrier, I think. Mickey Vandermark is really solid and I think will make a terrific career for himself for quite a while longer in this sport. Uh, but I'm not thinking next year, I'm not looking forward to 2021 thinking to rub on my hands with Clee at the idea of him you know, crushing the field on his factory BMW along with, uh, along with Sykes. I really, I really think they made a error there in signing him uh, unless they are absolutely looking for a, a happy number two to Sykes. So in that respect then, Dex, has he done well to be only five points away from top rack Raz Gavlioglu by the end of the season, who had nine podiums, three wins, three seconds, three thirds, and the fastest lap? Yes, because Toprak was predictably inconsistent. I could I, I could have told you at the start of the year Toprak would either would win races and or the bike would explode. Mm. Uh, you know uh, he he is he's twenty three. If he'd won the championship this year, he'd be the youngest ever world superbike champion. It's not was never going to happen this year. Right. Putting Toprak in the factory team was exactly the right thing to do. As long as you understand that this has to be a work in progress. Yeah. Is that they, they went backwards. They admitted they went backwards during the year. They, they, they lost 
the the setup on the bike. He's extremely hard on the brakes. He's ex- he he is he is hard on the bike. He's a really aggressive riding style, which I absolutely love. Well, that I comes from all of his ride. years in, in motocross, doesn't it? He, he, I think four or five Turkish motocross champions when he was. Uh, uh, before he was 13 he was he was raced on a 600 when he was 13 let's not forget <laughs> so so i th- th- that he 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 had uh, uh very 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 good moments during the season but they were the middle part of the season uh, really like yeah. from from uh, portugal to to manicor was a was a a struggle for him and then suddenly it clicked again. They even said it. They they kind of said we hit control all delete when we got to Estoril. Yeah. Championship was gone. The championship was basically gone after his accident in uh, in in Barcelona, uh, where he basically ruled him out of the of the the second and the third races. But by the end of the season, they had worked some stuff out, and he looked very good. And if they can carry that through testing and into and into twenty twenty one, maybe we have somebody who can challenge Ray week in, week out. But that's the key. The key is I'm not sure until Toprak fully grasps why he's fast. Because ah, I don't think he does yet. There you go. I don't think I don't think we're gonna see him consistently challenge Ray over what is a long season when you have three races every weekend. That becomes a pretty long season. Well you can't and, afford to fall off and get hurt, which is exactly what happened to, to Vascathioglu in in Barcelona, as you rightly said. Let's not forget though, Nick, that it was only twenty fifteen when he was in the European Superstock six hundred championship and winning the title in his rookie season. He almost won the t- the title in European Superstock one thousand the next year, as a teenager, uh, still a teenager, absolutely, yeah. jumped up into superbikes in eighteen with uh, was that Pachetti? Yes, it was. It was Pachetti, yeah. yeah, two years of Pachetti. Um, and, and his first win last year didn't win till last year. Well, and and the key thing, and to follow up on what Dex was saying there, Nick, the key thing last year that he featured on the podium at least once every race from rounds five to twelve. Uh, including, of course, those two wins at, at Magnicor that everybody remembers. Won the independent honours as well. And fourth in the championship, but way off in terms of points, the top three. 50 points off Chaz Davis and 140 points away from the overall winner. And and that's that's the inconsistencies that we're talking about there that he's got to get rid of, talk, uh, to, rid of. Um, uh, of top rack, if if he is going to be a genuine champion, he's always going to be a race challenger because he is unpredictable. But if he's going to challenge for a championship, he's got to get rid of those uh, inconsistencies and learn to take sometimes the points that's on offer. I feel. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a maturity thing we see in a, in a lot of races and riders and drivers. Is that you know, it's it's sometimes you know just coming third is better than going for a, for a, for a gap that doesn't exist to try and get second. And sometimes you've got a meeting which is, it isn't going your way, so you try and do the best out of it. I mean, as, as Declan marvellously put, he is predictably, predictably uh, inconsistent. And it was a, basically it was a four-round slump for the two arrogance, Barcelona and Maycourt, which just took him out of the whole thing. Best result in that entire period was one-fifth. And, you know, you can't – if you've got eight rounds, you can't throw three of them away. Um, and I think he'll be as disappointed as anybody. Um, yes, he came back strong at the end when, nothing, when, when there was nothing to play for, but that – could that not also be a worry? Yeah, 
I'm yeah. gonna say he's there's I, I don't have any doubts about his speed. And no, and if you're a Yamaha, I don't think anybody does, Dex. To no, be honest, well, and you've only got to see uh, the the thing. Um, and I'll I'll say this before I forget it. Um, the thing that worries <laughs> me about him is he will always, I think, be susceptible to a change of tire or a change of bike because he has a particular riding style. He picks up the bike and throws it at the corners. And if that doesn't suit the bike or the tyre, I'm not sure that he can adapt to that. And Dex, he's got to be able to be a more rounded rider than that for me. Well, that comes back to the point that uh, 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 from from testing the last couple of days is that they, they are already trying to... Uh, create a, a, a bike that work for him in terms of how heavy he is on the brakes and, and that riding style. And, and uh, what's interesting about that is that if you uh, talk to, uh, to uh, Perry Riva, who is uh, Jonathan Ray's uh, engineer, his crew chief, he will occasionally tell Ray and has the ability to do this, that uh, it's not, about us changing things to suit you, sometimes you're going to have to change to suit the bike. Uh, and that's the thing as a as a 23-year-old that he's clearly not doing yet, and he's going to have to develop that ability to do. And he will. He'll mature. He's really young. He's really fast. That's There are two things that I'm glad he is. And uh, the rest, you know, he's got the, the breathing room to turn into somebody who, who will challenge. And I think that's absolutely going to happen. Serious He's question, the... Dex. Are we pleased? Yeah. Right. We know why it happened. We've talked about that, about the, 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 uh, the energy drink brand. Are we pleased that he didn't get the Motor GP test on the Friday uh, and that Garrett Gerloff did instead of him? For him, um, because that quite, if he hadn't got on with that, people might have put the question mark over the top of him. And there was there, there was no there was no absolute that he would have got on with the MotoGP bike. Uh, my thought is really with Toprak and his personality is that I think he would have thrown it into the scenery and had a and and he would have. I think he'd have uh, he'd have uh, pushed way too hard. And as we said about Gerloff, Gerloff's mo was patience. It has been throughout his career. It's it's uh, slow growth and and top rack. I think. Uh, and to be honest, I would have absolutely loved to have seen top rack on the MotoGP bike. I'm not. I'm not uh, for however short that was. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. For exactly. however few corners that actually was. Let's move up into the top three. To Ducati said uh, Kawasaki rider Chaz Davis, the Welshman, third position. Let's not forget he's been with Ducati since 2000. And 14, uh, 25 wins and 44 podiums before the start uh, of this year, to which this year he has had another nine podiums, two wins uh, on the season and three fastest laps. Dex, you can have a go at uh, at Chaz first first of all. Um, not even best Ducati this year for Chaz and some... 30 points away from Scott Redding. Yeah, uh, kind of, uh, we covered this a little bit earlier on when, when we talked about Rinaldi and, and, yes. and Chaz's Ch- problem, very simply, is uh, he didn't manage 
uh, the the team's expectations well enough. Uh, I think you know uh, the slow start really uh, doesn't help, uh, particularly when as he's starting slowly, the brand new guy is uh, is getting podiums and after podium after podium and multiple wins before uh, you you know it's just it just didn't happen fast enough. And then yeah. he basically he got good after he got sacked, and yeah. uh, and and. If if I, if I could get a hold of him, I, I want to shake him and say, you need to just get out of the blocks faster. He's really quick mm. and he's really, he's mature and he's a good racer. He races well. He races to the front. He's a, he has, he has race craft and he speaks fluent Italian and they, all his crew have always loved him. He's got a great personality. And if he gets the Aprior ride, I think it'll really work out for him. But if he doesn't, if he ends up on the sideline, ultimately it's his fault. And that's the frustrating part. Scott Redding uh, was the other Aruba.it Ducati rider uh, this year. And uh, actually, that was his debut. That was his debut, of course, in World Superbike. Of course, only 26, but he's been around forever and a day. Uh, 2008 World Championship for 125, he was only 15. And in his debut, he put the fastest lap of... The race in, uh, moved up to MotoGP uh, in 2014, was there for five seasons. Um, Don't forget, you're, you're, you're burying the lead slightly there. Probably the only guy who, on a, even a relatively consistent basis in Moto2, was able to, uh, to, to uh, fight with Marc Marquez, which That's people a very forget. Good point. That is a ver- and, no, that is a very so good point. His... And of course, he had he had to fill he had to fill the seat of Alvaro Bautista, who had the most bizarre season of, of bizarre all season. The history, yes, in yeah. the history of the world, absolutely. Mm. He had the uh, but Reading at twenty six and almost twenty seven is basically on his comeback, mm. which is insane that he had to go that MotoGP decided it had had enough of him, which is uh, seems remarkable to me. He did the very brave thing of going to, to British Superbike, where ironically he really didn't know the tracks and won. And as Nick said, won a championship that is actually incredibly difficult to win. Uh, and there, I therefore... should say that's because it's a hybrid rule. It's a different tires. It's not exactly like world Superbikes. It has different, uh, it is really, really odd. So yes, absolutely. And, uh, and the playoff system, of course. Playoffs. And, uh, and, and then wins that does everything he can. Like, he can't ask any more of him. He wins that. And then he comes into the championship and basically Ducati say to him, off you go, Scott. We kind of expect you to now to take this to Jonathan and probably win Mm. because that's because Ducati don't know how to manage anything or anybody. And uh, he did a remarkably good job. And ultimately... He he was learning tracks. He was learning the not all of the tracks. But he was learning some of them, and he was learning the tires. And uh, and the fact that he actually in the end pushed this championship to the last race races at Estoril was True. actually pretty good. Uh, I think he's he will have learned so much, and he's going to come back stronger next year. The question is, and I'll, this obviously is open to debate. And uh, and Nick, I'll, I'll definitely want your your feedback on this. Is does a more than serviceable MotoGP rider, which he was, he was a very good MotoGP rider, uh, maybe not elite, oh, no, definitely not elite, but very good. Uh, does a rider of his ability uh, on a factory Ducati have the ability to beat 
Jonathan Ray? That is the question. On a regular basis. And that's, On a regular that, that's basis. The, I mean, it, it, 14 podiums and five wins this year for him. And let's just put, when we're talking about, when Dex's talking about there, let's put this in perspective. He talked about his Moto 2 season with Mark Marquez. Well, when he was 15 in that 1-5 debut championship, he, it only took him eight races to win at Donington. Uh, that was a, a he was then the youngest race wis- winner in Grand Prix yes, history. In Grand Prix history, yes. And he held yes. that for ten years or so, and he finished Rookie of the Year that year ahead of Marquez. So he, he clearly has had talent all the way through. I mean, you know, at twenty six, you're hardly going to say, "Oh my God, Scott Redding, what went wrong, Nick?" But has he got enough? And and should he be um, challenging even more than he was this year? I think there's an issue with the, which I think Scott Redding brilliantly illustrates with the MotoGP world in that if you end up in the wrong, on the wrong bike, even yeah. the wrong factory bike, the wrong yeah. satellite bike, your yeah. talent can just get, just think, say, say Joe Mir, our new world champion had ended up on a, I don't know, a factory Ducati. Mm-hmm. Thought, wow, Greg, a factory Ducati. He'd be nowhere now. Sorry, a satellite Ducati. He'd be nowhere. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't, that career wouldn't have happened. He'd be just in the middle waiting to get fired yeah. because yeah, you, there was an element of luck, and and and, and the bikes that uh, Scott was in. Yeah, he may not have maximised everything about them, but they were never going to win races anyway. Um, then he goes, goes away, goes away from the as, as Dex alluded to, goes away from the the comfort of the 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 Dorna paddock and and the the tour of uh, Europe and Asia, which is MotoGP season, and goes and, and goes and wins World Superbikes. You know, a different bike, a different tyre, different tracks, yeah, suddenly, bikes, yeah. Yeah. Su- suddenly wet. Sorry, British, sorry, British bikes. You know, wet, miserable British condition uh, for a Brit who's never actually raced in Britain, I think after super teams, which he probably did many, many years ago. So he's got a huge amount of talent. And this is the, this is the issue about people level below the aliens. We only have one alien now in MotoGP, and we have, I think we have one alien here. They are of that level. They are at that level where they they suddenly click with a with a bike with a with, a, with a, an idea with a tire with a concept, they can elevate themselves in that particular set of circumstances above others. It's, and then keep what is there, John. Then they pick up the confidence. Then yeah, they start yeah, believing and, what they do, and that makes them ultimately consistently quicker. And in that respect, then, is this season, i.e., the first season for him, Nick, in this championship on this bike, and particularly given the nature of this season, where he started so well and then, you know, he lost the opportunity to keep that momentum going when we had the big yellow flag, the big pause um, from March to start of March to the, the beginning of August. Does he almost get this year, and it was a short, slightly shortened season as well, all of that, um, does he almost get this season as a free pass? Yeah, of course he does. I mean, he beat his teammate by who's done a million years there. He didn't have a, you know, he didn't suddenly fall for cliff in the second half of the of the season. You know, he he had a couple of unlucky races. He had a couple of meetings which didn't go as well as others. But you know, again, as, as Dex said, he was learning the tracks. Overall, you know, he ended up fifty five points behind a um, a man who is, you know, <laughs> a, a literal living legend of motorcycle racing. Now, you know, possibly he would have liked to be twenty points behind. But I think even Scott Redding's wildest dreams he thought the chance of beating the Kawasaki of Jonathan Ray in the first year were, were low I think I think he's put in a really good a really really good season and you know it's it's that's what you need to do it's, it's a total building season he's going to come out of that thinking right I now know what to do I know how to run I know how to run a meeting I know how to run the weekend however you know the question is do Ducati 
Yeah, he managed to keep the championship alive, uh, Dex, which, you know, let's be honest, in the last few years hasn't always been the case, uh, that it went down to the last event. All right, at the first race uh, at uh, Estoril, um, the the championship was was all over. It didn't help that that Estoril was a a racetrack he'd never raced on. Uh, I think he'd ridden a road bike around it, (coughs) a road bike around it, uh, as a number (laughs) of people did on uh, on track days. And some of the times that were being put in on those track days were quite extraordinary, where the road bikes were going very well uh, into yes very well in very Basically well but he kept it alive. a huge moustache on it yes uh, and, and uh, a pair of glasses and a groucho marked yeah. nose um, how do we stick sorry johnny how do we stick the lights on your race bike again yes exactly yeah. exactly um but, you know he, he did keep it alive um the format of this season the the, the unintended consequences of this season uh, of anybody who might have lost out, surely it would have been more of a disadvantage to Scott Redding because he wanted to get that season going. He wanted to get some momentum. He had a decent start, very decent start indeed, um, at at uh, Australia, uh, Phillip Island, uh, and then bang, you know, it was up. It was up on the the stand, and and that was it. There was nothing happening, and that must have been so frustrating for him. Well. I, I, the way I look at it, I, I just look at the uh, uh, look at the, the way the championship went, and Portimao came at the wrong time for him, a track he didn't know, uh, where uh, he, he struggled, and at the same time, Ray did what nobody else was able to do, in fact, that nobody had ever done before, and that was win all three races. And that, to me, was where the, the championship was won and lost, where the momentum, where the, the mind set changed because really you go to Aragon the next week and Ray has a third and two more wins. Yeah, because that was the third. He's actually, when he came back, Scott Redding's second round was pretty good. He had two the two big race victories. Yeah, but as you yeah, said, then still... the third round they go to Portimao. He's not raced there. It's two weeks. In fact, no, it was a week after the, the Spanish round, wasn't it? So, it, it, And then all of a sudden, he's waiting till the end again to go back to Aragon to the millionth race in Spain. Um, and it, <laughs> how many times have we said, though, that in the head, championships are won in the head as much as they are by your throttle control, hanging off the bike, what you feel through your backside. Same is true in four-wheel sport as well. And I just wonder what that did to him to see Johnny Ray sweep the place. And he was only on the podium once there, wasn't he? He was only second in race two. Yeah, and that's I, I I can't I can't stress enough that I think because he took the lead he went in he went into the into Portimao with the lead in the championship and he with a with a decent lead and he left uh, behind Ray and never uh, never really caught up uh, and what's interesting is about about uh, he, him as a writer is and, and as a Scott Redding's had a a very odd life. Uh, I, I don't need to get too existential or, or uh, metaphysical here or psychological, but he has had a very peculiar life, and he has a he has a uh, uh, I wouldn't say he's a brittle temperament, but I, I, you get the feeling that there there needs to be uh, the environment needs to be absolutely perfect for him. Uh, he's had a lot going on in his life, and 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 that 
is up to, it's up to Ducati to do that. It's to, to create the environment that's going to work for him. And I think they're working towards it. Mm. Uh, he's done, he's going to be number one next year without question. Uh, it's going to be all about him. And uh, I don't think there'll be any excuses when you add in the additional tracks that he can go to the, uh, well, if they go to Argentina and Assen and, uh, and granted he'll, I don't think he has, he'll have any uh, familiarity with Imola, but uh like almost everywhere else, he'll now know, he'll know, and he'll he knows the tire better, and so I think uh, he gets he gets a pass for this year. Uh, I think for for several reasons, uh, and again, I know Nick doesn't believe it, but I certainly believe the stoppage, as you mentioned, that putting the bike up uh, on a rack for a few months, uh, I don't think helped him. I really don't, and uh, and Nick Nick does. And I'm going to let Nick, Nick, Nick wants to jump in. So I'm going to let him do that and tell me why go that's on, not the case. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just arguing on, I'm doing that thing you should never do is argue on Skype. No, I, I agree with, I agree with all of us. I think it was a very solid first year. You got the results and you'd learnt what you needed to do and, and the real test is next year. Uh, so let's move on to our champion, uh, Johnny Rear again, mm-hmm. uh, after a year Last year, where he must have thought the championship was slipping away. Oh my goodness me! Comes in this year, gets soundly not soundly beaten, but comes into uh, the middle of August at Portimao, Nick, and and he's not leading the championship. Uh, an extraordinary situation for him. But in the season, he pulls out seventeen podiums from twenty-four races, eleven of which were wins five of which were second. Now, only one third place. 11 fastest laps as well within the season. Um, I, and in fact, I, th- I think there was only a couple of riders got... Any, well, Reading and Davis got three apiece. Uh, and Michael Rubin and Aldi got two. And that was it. Everybody else was in single figures. I mean, that's Johnny Ray and a Johnny Ray World Superbike season uh, that we've sort of expected in the dominating-ish style. Um, is it is it him? Is it the bike? Is it both? Is it, is it the Lewis Hamilton, you know, the debate that everybody wants to have? But Jonathan Ray just did what Jonathan Ray did. Well, in the first race, he fell off and retired. And the last race, he felt remounted and came 14th. In the intervening 22 races, he was just unbelievably good again ground everyone out, ground the rest of the opposition into the dust with relentless quality performance. He didn't win every race. Sometimes things went wrong. He got a bad start. The tyre didn't work for a, super, for a sprint race. But at the end of every weekend, he got the points. He just got the job done. Um, and, you know, and that is a mark of a man who is just completely at one with his, with his job, or completely at one with the bike, completely at one with the sport. And obviously, I can actually say this now, the best active rider yeah. in motorcycling. <laughs> Uh, it, it, the calendar, the way the calendar was laid out uh, this year, and again, you know, we know why that was, um, not necessarily uh, the, the best circuits at the best time for Kawasaki, Dex. No, he freely admitted when he saw the calendar, the revised calendar, he he kind of jokingly said, but why can't I go to Argentina, Imola, Donington, Qatar and Assen? You know, he, he basically all his favorite tracks. So the bike's best tracks and his favorite tracks weren't on the calendar. And they were running. And we talked about this actually in the preview uh, when things got started again about MotoGP, about the, the races running in the height of the summer, which they did. They didn't have any sort of summer break uh, meant 
uh, had a, a, a clear impact on MotoGP. It was exactly the same. When they went back to Jerez, uh, he was very, very conscious of the fact that, that the Kawasaki really isn't working at its optimum in higher temperatures. Uh, but yet, to his credit, and to the credit of, of uh, he and, and Perry Riva, his, his, uh, his crew chief, they they got the maximum out of it. And interestingly enough, uh, Aragon, the the Portimao, as he said, three wins, and then he goes to Aragon, which arguably should have been, and to some extent, where, uh, where Ducati-centric tracks. He had uh, a bit of a come-to-Jesus moment w- with Perry Riva, uh, where... They wanted them. He wanted them to make big changes to the bike uh, for the uh, in Aragon Two, uh, Tuarel, I think, as 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 Nick described. Mm. And we had that moment, that moment that you 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 know the 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 one time in a career when a caddy over uh, overrules his golfer and tells him to take five iron instead of seven iron. They did that. Basically, Perry Reba said to him, "I'm not making changes to the bike. I'm going. You need to make changes to you." And uh, and that worked. And Perry Reeve is a former racer, and yes. had and he's the one person who could say that to to to, uh, to Jonathan Ray, and it worked. And he came out of Aragon uh, with two two uh, seconds on a first, carried the momentum into Barcelona, and that basically won on the championship. Mm. They 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 really did everything they needed to do uh, at Barcelona and Manicur after that. Uh, so he's in the perfect environment with uh, a team that is entirely built around him with the perfect uh, crew chief slash engineer who knows how to work with him, who knows how to push his buttons. And he's hungry. And he remains hungry in a way that you almost shouldn't be with six world championships. And that's a very dangerous thing for everybody else. If you knock him off in the next couple of years, if he stays, as in when he stays at Kawasaki, if you knock him off and win the world championship, you're a special rider. 90 victories, Nick, in six seasons for Jonathan Ray. Oh, in the last season, sorry. Yeah. 99. He's on 99. Uh, sorry, 99. Yes, 99. An extraordinary hit rate that he has got. Um, and he, he has become the man to beat. Um, by The man by which everyone else uh, measures their performance. Uh, interestingly for me, and I don't know why this is, he hasn't had the same kind of hero worship and godlike goat type talk as Marquez. And I don't know why that is. Is it just because still World Superbike is not seen as the equal of MotoGP? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, he's hero worshipped in his home his home country of Northern Ireland, and and you know anyone who knows anything about motorsport knows what he's doing. But but ever since the dawn of kind of initially took over World Superbikes just after its its height, so about you know it was, it was obviously for a while it was getting very close to World Superbikes being bigger than uh, MotoGP, and certainly in in certain well, territories it, it, it was bigger. When Foggy was was racing, yeah, and then, and even yeah. years after that, even even when um, James Tosin won, and that's he, he kind of has died off in the last 
10, 12 years. The, the, Bale, the Bayless era was huge. Massive. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think, yeah, I think that's why it went in the doldrums for a few years. You know, it went into becoming almost a privateer only environment. And now it's, it, people are slowly, factories are slowly beginning to move back to it. I think the focus is bringing back to it. The, 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 the TV package is getting easier to see. And obviously it's not behind a paywall in most countries like it is in, um, if a motor GP, um, you know, it's accessible. I think the, the, the big issue really has been, as much as it's lovely for, for you and I, and, and, and I'll, I'll say Dex as well, but, we, but I'll bring him in as an, as an honorary Brit, you know, he'd hate it. Yeah, you know, it's been dominated by Britain for the last, what, 10 years, eight years? Um, the yeah, British we, Isles, we, you we, have we, to we were, yeah, yeah, exactly, 100%. And, and Irishman's doing all the work. Um, but, you know, we, we made a joke, didn't we, I think, last year or the year before, that there was actually a race where it wasn't an all-British podium. Now... It's great for us, but it's not necessarily particularly inclusive to the other motorcycle enjoying countries. You know, it's great that there's a Dutchman because they're obviously fans of everything, and it's great we've got an American in there now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's probably has, oddly has limited its appeal outside of you know the the, the motorcycle aficionados in, in in the UK. But you know, the fact is to do what Johnny's done is every bit as hard as what. Um, Mark Marquez has done, and and because you've got to keep doing it year after year with, yeah, you know, again with regulations that are often trying to slow him down, without any real bike advantage, as is shown by uh, what Alex Lowe and his, his teammates have done. I, I that's you made a decent point about the domination by a particular nation uh, or a group of nations in the case of the United Kingdom, when all six Brits were in the the top twelve. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that the bike is good. But Dex, what I would say about the difference for me between World Superbike and MotoGP, um, in a quote-unquote normal season, I accept there's been back-to-back races for MotoGP um, week and week this year because, again, of the unique circumstances of 2020. Keeping yourself fit and finishing three races across a weekend on the podium or on the top step of the podium, more often than not, as Johnny Ray has been doing. That's not by accident. That's not, you know, that's not just a, a bit of luck and the and the chips falling right. He races with his head as much as he does with his with his speed. And and to me, that in some ways makes Moto uh, makes World Superbikes actually a, a more difficult challenge to win the championship. Yeah, I, I'm just looking back. You're you're absolutely correct. The, with the back-to-backs and, and with the condensed schedule, schedule, for example, he had a run from from Portimao through the real challenges, particularly of the second uh, Aragon meeting, where he went uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven races in a row uh, on the podium. Mm. Eleven podiums in a row. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that seven wins. And by the time he got to the second Aragon, they knew they had problems uh, keeping up with the Ducatis. And he still uh, went out and, and won the 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 full points paying race two at Aragon in, yeah. in the second Aragon, yeah. which he says is the best win of his career. Mm. So if he is still being pushed, despite the dominance, it's happening because he's being pushed. He's pushing himself. He's pushing the team. There's no sitting on his laurels here. This is... No, 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 no. This is... And this is not going to stop. And I said something on Twitter uh, a while ago. I'll wrap it up with this. I genuinely believe at this point, uh, 
like Nick. He has nothing to prove to anybody, mm. which is precisely why he needs to get his backside into a MotoGP seat. Because I, I honestly don't think he should he could should go to MotoGP with an idea that he has to prove anything. I should think he should be now going to MotoGP uh, just because uh, he kind of, uh, he's cr- like uh, Alexander the Great. He's crying because there were no more worlds to conquer. Yeah. It's the only world he has to conquer, but he doesn't have to prove. I don't believe he has to prove anything. Uh, I, I, if he retired tomorrow, I would s- say his position in the pantheon of riders is 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 absolutely secure and but i just think he needs to just go and, and try it i'd love to see him try it and uh, I, I hope nick feels the same way johnny ran yeah. motor gp no i don't I, I, unless he's going to go straight on to a, a, a winning works bike then he, he could just get stuck in that mire that is the uh, um the satellite team um but i think that, yeah. that's that's fair enough nick and i think that's probably absolutely true and and if he doesn't get it that's why he won't go i think yeah. the only way he would go is if he gets an absolutely top line Machinery has a number one rider, which well, he probably perhaps, deserves. You know, there is there is there is a fifty fifty chance. Well, perhaps not a fifty fifty, but twenty five percent chance that the standout rider for 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 MotoGP may never be back to the way he was. If the rumours of his nerve damage are true, so there may be a vacancy right at the top. Yeah, I, I, and I, I'm not sure whether it helps or it hurts that he's got so much, um, so much past, so much currency with Kawasaki and Kawasaki, as we have spoken about and. Declan's put about eloquently, not in MotoGP and not likely to be there um, anytime soon. So it would be severing his ties. And and that's the thing I think that might be difficult as well for him because, you know, he he knows where he is at the moment. Um, Great, great season for Jonathan Rear. Scott Redding uh, effectively ends up as top rookie. Um, Although you've got to say Garrett Gerloff uh, did a, a, a good job as well. So guys, um, I'm going to ask for uh, your thoughts on who would be the team, the bike, the rider, and the performance or or, or the race of of the year. Uh, Nick, I'll I'll start with you. Bike of the year. Well, you know, it's obviously the Kawasaki because it won, and and all right. It's not always the case, though, is it? Yes, I know, but none of the other bikes really showed anything that would make you think they're going to. They, 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 uh, the Ducati's in its second year of its new bike didn't look much better than it had in the first year. In fact, you know, no better. Just that they had more consistent, well, a more consistent rider and a rider who became more consistent mm. in their team. Um, so I have to go Ducati, the best. Uh, you know, and Jonathan Ray is 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 the best rider, and the team is the best team, and it, it's it's so dull that no one and I'm looking down the list looking for someone to leap out at me and I think yeah okay well let's all embrace Garrett Gerlov's last two rounds but there are eight rounds in the championship you know it's like "Mm." um and and that's that's really where you get to and and there's been no breakouts in many ways the the breakout as you say is rookie of the year Scott Redding um but that's not to belittle the fact it was a very enjoyable season well no indeed not can you find something else to to break through the green wall that was Kawasaki and Jonathan Ray? No, no, I, 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 it's, it's, it would be really entertaining and, and, and it would be, you know, the hot take police would come and have to arrest me if I was to come up with anything else because I can't, it's, it's just, it, it would be churlish to say no X, Y or Z, or, or, or Z was better. Ray was dominant. The team were dominant. Yeah. Uh, uh, in terms of, Providing him with a bike that was uh, uh, ultimately, uh, you know, allowed him to win the championship by six by fifty five points. Uh, the 
the prospect of next year is exciting. Reading has the ability and Ducati have the wherewithal to uh, surround him with uh, a championship winning effort. And uh, if it happens, I think we have an amazing season on our hands. I think Toprak will be more mature. Uh, Yamaha's new bike, uh, he's he's excited about because uh, after they they tested yesterday and he, he made some comments about it. he was very happy about it. Uh, I think maybe Honda might make some leaps forward and we see something different. But ultimately, in terms of this season, uh, rider of the year, absolutely Jonathan Ray because he was tested. Don't forget, he st- he didn't start the season well. He even coming out of Jerez, six races in. And he wasn't leading the championship. And then he turned it around. Can you and, not argue uh, that Ducati and Aruba are the manufacturer in the team of the year? Because they massively outscored Kawasaki uh, and and Ray's team. Well, don't forget, uh, 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 we have to a little uh, hat tip to uh, Javi Forres because uh, his eighth place finish at Estoril in the last race of the season gave... Kawasaki, the manufacturer's championship by one point. Wow. I know. That's the score of, do they score on three bikes rather than two, do they? Uh, they do. Yeah. And and uh, so, uh, team of the year. No, team of the year is Kawasaki. You, you, you wouldn't give him a sixth championship. And I'll tell you why. Back to some the point we made earlier. Because that bike isn't the best bike, probably. I th- I would. Uh, you, you, you both are, are motorcycle riders more than I am. Yeah. Uh, the Panigale arguably is a is a, is a more uh, a more powerful and potential and a potentially a better bike. But Ray and that team fashioned a bike that was good everywhere. Yeah. They they had no weak points. He was able to, uh, and certainly uh, in in a calendar that uh, arguably didn't suit him compared to some of the other riders, and yet they still won the championship. Yeah, yeah, you can't argue with that, I suppose, yeah. Uh, Nick, performance of, of, of the year, uh, was there something that stood out for you uh, whilst watching uh, across the season? Or does that just end up being a season <laughs> award for, for Rhea as well? Um, I thought Loris Baz was really good in France. Hmm. Um, yes, he was. I thought, yes, I he was. It, I thought it made up for his his power deficit, and also he's he 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 he, 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 he through the tricolor. I thought I thought that was an excellent performance uh, in the, in his home race. Uh, two seconds there in the yeah the horrible races. conditions, horrible conditions. It really was, uh, and, and uh, yeah, yeah, really, really bad conditions. Uh, so I that's a good one. I like France, that. Well done. Can, my performance of the year would be. Uh, uh, the lad who accidentally won the Supersport 600s in France, you know, which was amazing, where uh, they uh, the we had the arguably the worst rain I've ever seen in any type of professional motorsport uh, came in in a split second and everybody pitted. And the wood lad who stayed out and didn't fall off, and I'll think of his name in a minute, uh, got the win, uh, a Frenchman. It was fantastic. But in terms of uh, Superbikes, uh, my performance, I, I go back to uh, the, the opening you round. The, did you, sorry, you mean the Super Stocks? Super yes, stocks. In, no, it's super in World Super Sport. The, uh, right. the World Super Sport race was uh, was was red flagged uh, because it, there was like not to eight inches of water in seconds at uh, in Barcelona. Sorry, uh, uh, but, in, in Barcelona. Uh, so it was, it was Vidola. It was Vidola who Verdoya, Andy Verdoya. Andy Verdoya. Yes, yeah. Andy Verdoya. So that's my performance of the year. Andy Verdoya staying upright and winning a race that uh that Locatelli didn't win, uh, which was absolutely hilarious. Which is but I think the only I race don't... he didn't win that <laughs> yeah, of the year. Exactly. 
And but I go back to I go back to the start of the year. I I'm I'm a sucker for the way the season starts with with the lottery of Phillip Island, and I love those races. I and, I, and I, I really enjoyed Toprak's win. Uh, partially because it gave me a, a, a quite warm, fuzzy feeling at the time that I thought we were going to have an amazing season where uh, where somebody was really going to take it to uh, the Jonathan Ray, but they didn't. But it was a great race it and a great a, track. It was still a great season. It was still yes. a great season. That was the 2020 World Superbike uh, season. Thank you to Declan Brennan and to Nick Dearman. I'm John Heidel. Stay tuned to the Radio Show Limited network of channels. We've got more season reviews on two and four-wheeled motorsport from this uh, weird and, in some cases, wonderful year of 2020 coming in the next few weeks. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.